So if you remember episode 38 with Neil Freeman, he is the editor of the Morning Brew newsletter. We talked about Pushkin Industries, the podcast production company that Malcolm Gladwell and a bunch of other well-known thinkers and innovators and authors are represented by. Well, we have the publicist from Pushkin who has worked with Neil on today, and we couldn't be more excited. So this publicist, her name's Nicole. She represents authors, academics, and thought leaders with big ideas and thoughts to share with the world. Sometimes these clients are well-known, but sometimes they're not. So how do strategies and challenges differ depending on the level of fame of who she is representing? Listen on to find out. So first of all, I want to say thank you, Nicole, because when we emailed you, we had no idea that what would come of this is a whole new episode and we couldn't be more thrilled to have you on. So thank you for taking the time. Uh, but yeah, feel free to say hi, maybe talk about yourself a little bit and uh, a little bit about what Pushkin Industries is and what they do. Yeah, well, thank you both so much for inviting me to join you on this show, which I think is just so cool. It's a great idea to have PR professionals be able to learn from each other and just chat and commiserate. And I know that we you know, were able to exchange some emails and have a, a quick call already. And it was it's just so, um, I don't know, it makes you feel like not, sometimes our work is a little bit lonely because it's a lot of like outreach and sometimes you hear back from people and sometimes you don't. But, um, you know, it's just really... It's really lovely to talk to other people who are going through the same challenges that you are. Um, so yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys doing this and inviting me on. Right now, I'm the publicity director at um, Pushkin Industries, which, as you said, is um, we actually call ourselves an audio company and not a, a podcast company because we also do make audiobooks. Um, oh, but we can fix that in um, oh, editing that, too. By the way, it's yeah. also not uh, an uncommon way to describe Pushkin um, okay. because for the most part, I mean, our, our, you know, content is, is podcast, uh, the way that it's, you know, formatted, but we're trying to like experiment with other sorts of audio. Um, but I mean, regardless of what the content is, I work really closely with, um, all of our talent. So all of the podcast show hosts, um, all of our audiobook authors, um, and, and also just with corporate communications uh, for the company at large. So some of the, um, you know, some of the, the talent that I work with is, is Malcolm Gladwell, um, who hosts Revisionist History, Dr. Lori Santos, who hosts the Happiness Lab. I work with Michael Lewis, um, both on his podcast, Against the Rules, and also um, we've been doing some audiobook projects with him, which has been really fun and interesting. Who else? I, I worked on a couple of projects with um, Dr. Ibram Kendi, with Professor Anita Hill. Um, those are the names that are coming to mind right now, but I have um, had about a list of maybe 20 people that over the past year I've worked with at Pushkin, and everybody is sort of in the more or less the academic space. Um, you know, some are, are authors, some are, are very, um, some are kind of very notable in like niche, um, sec, you know, uh, I don't know what the right word is in niches, like right? So it's like, sector yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Niche sectors. So like, for instance, right now, um, I'm working with this car journalist whose name is Eddie Alterman, 
who's like really big in in the car space. Um, we're doing this show called Car Show, which is uh, every episode is about a different car and how it affects our lives and culture. So like kind of like a history cool. show through the lens of, of cars. Um, so yeah, that's that's like a kind of a wide generalization of, of all the different stuff that I that I work on. Nicole, I have a quick question. Yeah, please. How, how many clients, quote unquote, do you work with? Well, would you say? Let's, let's Sounds see. like a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's not all at once, right? So like, for instance, I, I'm kind of always working with like Pushkin's main, um, you know, the, the people that we work with all the time. So Malcolm Gladwell is, is a big, um, I mean, he, he's, our biggest podcast. And also uh, he's the co-founder of the company. So I work with him in a lot of different capacities. Um, and, and same with like shows that kind of run all year round, um, like Lori Santos's show. Um, but I would say that at any given time, I'm probably working with about 10 people. And over the course of the year, I probably work with like 25 people. Okay. Wow. That's quite a bit. It is quite a bit. Yeah. I actually, so the first year, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) The the first year that I worked at at Pushkin, it was, um, I I started with Pushkin at, um, in February of 2021. And so for that first year, it was just me. Um, I was going to say, do you have a team? Jeez. So it was just me as the PR director. Um, And actually just about a month ago, I hired somebody. Um, So now I have a publicist who works with me, which is lovely because now I have ever so slightly more work-life balance. Good. Yeah. Just, you know, somebody else to keep you not organized. And I'm not saying you're not organized, but it's always nice to have someone else reminding you of certain things that might go unnoticed. We're human. Yeah. It's also just lovely to collaborate with somebody. Um, That too. Yes. Yeah. It's nice to not be alone in things. And I mean, I, I work very closely with, um, with my counterpart, who's the the marketing director, and and you know, there's I have we have a marketing team that's that's fairly big. It's about eight or ten people, but but doing PR specifically, this is the first time that I have another another um, teammate there. Out that's of curiosity, exciting. what kind of what kind of um, tasks do they do for you? Um, so, so she does, uh, she's a publicist, so she, you know, executes, um, publicity campaigns for, for our shows. So she, the way we've been dividing work is that, um, I, she's working on two show launches right now, and I'm kind of still continuing to work on all of our kind of existing properties. Um, okay. But we're going to, you know, she's only been on for a month. So it's been a lot of like onboarding and making sure that, you know, she knows who all of the people are and um, yeah. yeah. True. It only has been a month. (laughs) So you handle, so basically you're handling a lot of the bigger accounts within that. And then the person who's helping you is helping with some launches. And then I assume maybe when they get their feet more wet, maybe, you know, you, you guys are figuring out like how to disperse your time within, you know, what you're doing. Um, I'm going to be honest, when I heard about what you did, there was a little bit of envy, jealousy. Actually, I don't know which, do you represent Renee Brown? Because I've been reading her work a lot. And she's like, I just read that envy and jealousy are not the same thing. So I need to <sighs> differentiate, you know but it's okay. You know what's funny? So Brene Brown, um, you know, she has a, she does have a podcast. It's it's not at all affiliated yeah. with my 
network. I actually worked, um, I was one of Renee's publicists uh, when she published Rising Strong. um, Okay. Because I used to work at Random House. Yes, that's right. And we're going to get to that too. Um, That's why I'm really excited about having you on is like, I don't know, you've kind of worked with some cool people that, well, anyway, you're just proving my point that there is a (laughs) level of uh, jealousy. No, it's envy, actually. Looking back, it was, you know, the book I'm reading is, um, Mm -hmm. I forget what it's called, uh, The Heart. It's got a picture of a heart on it on the front. Um, uh, Atlas of the Heart. I highly recommend yeah. it. You know, you know what my, my therapist always tells me whenever I'm like, I'm jealous. He's like, are you jealous or inspired? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm inspired. I'm inspired. You're right. <laughs> that might be the episode name of this. Get inspired by Nicole Morano. <laughs> <laughs> I never said your full name, Nicole Morano. There you go. But we'll oh, put yep, it in there. That's me. Yep. <laughs> um, so anyway, there might be a level of um, envy, jealousy, whatever you want to call it, inspiration, um, based off of the level of work that you've done, because you do tend to represent some high-end clients, is what we would call it in the industry. Um, I know Britt, you've dealt with this and I have too, whereas like you, I've, we've been in the industry for like a decade now each about, uh, Britt a little longer than me, but the, the people that are always easier to represent are those that have just some form of recognition around them. I always found that whenever I work with even like a a company that has some sort of brand recognition, I just get a lot more responsiveness from journalists. And so I think a lot of publicists might look at what you do and think like, oh, how lucky, like, I wish that I could do that. And so to kind of like think about this, what are some of the misconceptions you think that publicists who don't really know what you do, they just have some idea of what you do? What do you think they might not understand about the challenges that you might face when promoting clients that are kind of like well-known, like Malcolm Gladwell? What what do we not understand? (laughs) Kind of a heavy question. Yeah, but I, I'm sure you got a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, thank you for that confidence. Um, yeah, so I I would say that um, in my in my work at at Pushkin, I, I kind of work with uh, you know with clients that kind of span the gamut in notoriety and uh, as you said, you know who kind of is has a lot of name recognition, um, who doesn't, and uh, I mean each have their own challenges. Um, so for instance, you know, when I'm working with Malcolm, um, he obviously does have a, a name that I don't have to define who he is in a pitch, right? Like honestly, when yeah, I pitch, people know. Yeah. To be honest with you, when I pitch Malcolm, I just put his, sub, I just put his name in the, in the <laughs> subject line and then, you know, kind of go, go from there. Um, right. but what I will say is a challenge with working with somebody like him is just that you have to be very strategic about it because his, he has a lot of projects going on at all different times. He himself is, you know, really busy. He is working on a podcast. He's working on book projects. He's working on book projects with my company. He's working on book projects with his hardcover book publisher, um, Little Brown. He, he has a, a career as a, you know, with a, like he has a speaking agent and, and gives, gives talks, um, you know, he gets paid for his, for his speaking. So he's just, you know, he has a lot of things. And in my work with him, what, what I focus most on is like, when is it time for him to do press? What kind of, what kind of promotional opportunities are actually going to meet 
the goals that I have for him. You know, if he's launching his podcast, like what different audiences, like what are we trying to do to expand his audience and to not just put him in front of the people who are already bought in, who already know about his his podcast or our listeners or are already buying his books. Another challenge, which I know that some publicists would be like, I would love to have that, that you know, what a great problem to have. But, um, you know, he gets press requests all the time. And um, it's it's actually not smart for me to have him do promotion all the time because I, I need to sort of create moments for him you know, that are, that are working towards promoting a specific project. Um, so, so actually what I do a lot is, um, you know, I, I get, I get a lot of incoming requests for Malcolm. And what I do is I pivot them to another one of my clients. So um, for instance, maybe, you know, somebody wants to talk to Malcolm about, about an episode of, about one of his books in the past. And so I'll say like, oh, unfortunately, Malcolm, you know, is, is working on other projects right now and isn't doing press. But would you be interested in talking with Jacob Goldstein, who has this show about business and tech, who used to be the host of Planet Money? Um, you know, I kind of am able to, to refer them to a different um, a different client in my in my roster, which is really great. That's so um, smart. Yeah. Very smart. Do a majority of folks say yes or how do you think that yeah. comes off? I, I'd say that it's about 50, 50, um, you know, but even, but I will say that even if they don't say yes, I think that they appreciate that I was communicative and responsive and hopefully had offered them, you know, like a, you know, like a, a, a thoughtful suggestion. Right. Um, and, uh, and so it kind of allows me to, to, to foster that relationship with that journalist or that producer, um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe kind of come back to them in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. And they're reaching out to you, it sounds like. So that's kind of flipping the switch on what we normally do, right, Jackie? Like we're usually the ones reaching out to journalists. So that's a really good learning for folks who like if you ever get an email from a journalist and you can't, you know, provide them with what they want, think about how you can connect them in other ways. Provide value. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I will say that, I mean, I, I, that was with Malcolm, I do receive a lot of incoming requests, but trust me, I do a lot of proactive pitching as well. (laughs) I like, I'm not just sitting back receiving. Oh yeah. I, I, I for sure am in, in the same bucket as, as you all where I'm sometimes just doing a whole lot of pitching so mm-hmm. often not get not getting responses back, you know, that's just kind of the the nature of the beast. Of um, but yeah, so so I I, ha- I work with people like Malcolm and and perhaps like Michael Lewis and Laurie Santos fit fit into this category also of just people that have really like good name recognition. But then, you know, I also work with with folks who perhaps are are better known by their projects. So for instance, you know, that um, the journalist that I just mentioned, Jacob Goldstein, um, who actually works at Pushkin and oversees one of our podcast verticals. He also is a podcast host himself, and he is best known as the one of the former hosts of Planet Money, um, the NPR's big economy show. Um, and then and then there's um, there's this Eddie Alterman, who I had mentioned, who is a, a really well-known car journalist, automotive journalist. And so I also have people that are are recognizable in the spaces that they're in, but 
I couldn't just like pitch Good Morning America and be like, yeah, Jacob Goldstein, you know who that is, right? And be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like matching the right audience to the right level of like. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I would say that the, the, maybe the biggest difference between what I do at, at Pushkin and, and what I used to do when I was in book publishing at Penguin Random House and versus being either, you know, your own uh publicity, you know, you have your own, have your own company or working at a firm is just that like, by the nature of what I do, all of the people that I'm pitching are sort of like, um, curated by a well-known company, right? So it's like, if you work at PRH at Penguin Random House and you're pitching a book, people see your email. They see that you are affiliated with like a curator of content Um, and then you kind of get that, that cred, that like reputation of like, oh, this is like vetted as a, as a book that is being published or a a podcast that is being produced. Um, I think that's really, that's much harder when you're working, you know, at a firm, when somebody is paying you to Mm -hmm. do their, their communications work. And so that I think gets treated a little bit differently on the other end where somebody is like, oh, you know, who, who knows whether this person is, is good or bad. How, how are like by the nature of, yep. of me being in house somewhere, that's sort of like giving me a little bit of a, a boost. Street cred. Um, exactly. Yep. I have a lot yes. of street cred guys. Just <laughs> I can tell. Um, well, I mean, morning brew, they literally, he called out Pushkin first and foremost, yeah. right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he was like, they always have great guests or not great guests, but they represent decent people, you know, and it's yeah, cool. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I do have a question followed up to, I want to get into your random house stuff, but I do have a yeah. question about, you know, you talked about getting inbound requests, which um, just to repeat for the audience, this is not the only way she gets press. She's pitching just like <laughs> you, you and I are. Really yeah, no problem. That. Thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but with the inbound, it's about being choosy. And I, I kind of, I can imagine that is something that you have to weigh your pros and cons. You mentioned goals. And I'm wondering what does like, what do publicity goals look like? Cause you mentioned expanding the audience and I'm like, that makes, I can understand that, but how do you, how do you quantify that? Is that, are you looking at something like uh, daily, like visits to like a outlet or viewers, monthly viewers? How, how do you kind of make the case to Malcolm? Like, this is worth it. Yeah. So I, I'd say that the answer to your question is kind of like, there are two things, like there's like a, a soft way of looking at it and a, and a more data-driven way of looking at it. Um, so the, the more data-driven way is that um, sometimes when I do book somebody on a, on a big show, I'll, um, I'll work with my marketing team and they'll be able to send a tracking pixel to the, to the show that I've, that I've booked somebody on. And then we'll be able to see, what the behavior was for people that have listened to that, who has then taken the actions on their device to go to the landing page of, of the show that we were promoting. Cool. Very sophisticated. Um, that, That's awesome. Very sophisticated. I will say that that is like, uh, maybe... I, I can't, maybe that happens 25% of the time. Like I, I that's a yeah. smaller, you know, you can't do that with everything. I was going to um, say, so, do you get pushback from, you know, no. hosts? Okay. I, so I'd say that with, um, and this is with other podcasts. So people in the podcast industry, I think are all very collaborative. And, you know, if, if 
you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, it, it's kind of like you have that reciprocity with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of like cross promotion in a way, right? Because like exactly. they, you, you have an audience. They want to, they exactly. want some. I heard that was like the sorry, not to interrupt, but yeah. Oh, no, no I'm preaching to the choir. I was thinking about <laughs> my friend who podcasts, and one of the, you know, her, uh, Brit, uh, Shannon Byrne. I was when we first started this podcast. I was like, what is like, what's a tip? What can you give me? Like, what? What, when do you know, like a podcast episode is going to be legit? And she's like, if I get and if I get a guest that has any audience that might overlap with mine, it's a win because it always draws new listeners. And so I think there's probably just as much strategy to getting Malcolm on, for instance, as for, do you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, mm-hmm. keep, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that, so there's the, there's that data driven, you know, very kind of clear clear way of, of measuring, um, reach, but, and, and, you know, is this going to move the needle? But then there's also other metrics that I'm sure that everybody uses where I'm like, how many Twitter followers does this person have? Like what, you know, how much Googling can I try to figure out how big this show is? Um, you know, there are tools that you can use to see what the reach of, you know, you can use Cision or, or some other PR, you know, database tool, um, to, to see the, what the, um, you know, the unique monthly viewership of, of a certain website is or something like that. Or I feel like I, I haven't thought about this in a while, but like what the circulation of a print magazine is. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I don't even think I've seen a print magazine in a long time, but they. Yeah, me neither. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that, that sometimes it's it's like, you know, I keep using Malcolm Gladwell as a, as an example, but it's like, Malcolm, you know, I, 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 this worked very well in the past for this other person. Here are the statistics. And then sometimes it's a little bit like more like Malcolm, this person has a million Twitter followers and, you know, this, this show, these, you know, another thing I do is I, I use other people that have been on programs before. So I'm like, Malcolm, I think you should do this podcast because, you know, Adam Grant did it last week. And, and then that kind of helps him understand the level of, of talent or, or oh, guests smart. that this other, you know, this other show has had. So I, I use that a lot as a trick as well. That's a really good, that's a good idea. Yeah. You have to do a, a little bit of convincing when you're working with more high profile clients, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Their, their hours of the day are very valuable. So you kind of have to make a, a, a case for them sometimes to do things. Can I ask a question about prospecting? Yeah. Okay. Please. So when you're, when you're, you know, you have your um, pitching hat on mm-hmm. and you're looking for a podcast to pitch, mm-hmm. what's your tactic for finding them? What does that look like? Do you use tools? Is it a Google search? Do you just know because you are a podcast listener? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I'd say that at this point, um, maybe like the majority of, of that is just things that I, that I know. But I certainly do, you know, like for instance, with this show about cars, I don't know anything about cars personally, but I, I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of poking around. I did a lot of like searching around the Apple charts. Um, I, I knew of another car journalist that, that my host knew. And so I saw what else that person did. I did a lot of like comparison, I do a lot of like comparison shopping, you know? So it's like when I when I, you know, have a new project, I try to think of what other comparable projects there are. And I see what those people have done. That's great. 
Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That just saves a lot of, that's working smarter, not harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of tools, um, I use Muckrack is what I use the most often. Nice. To, to, Love that. Yeah. To um, kind of do research, but that's a little bit more on the like print online broadcast side um, it, with podcasts. There are tools that you can use, but I feel like my biggest tool is just the people that I work with since I work at a podcast network. So I like ask my marketing team what shows they like and and the producers who are like really in the weeds of the content, like what shows do you think would be good fits? So, um, so yeah, I kind of use Muckrack for traditional PR and then my, my network for podcast opportunities. So you mentioned when you do get inbound requests that might not be appropriate for, let's say they ask for Matt. We'll just keep using Malcolm as the example. Uh, let's say um, Malcolm's not available. You pivot. Maybe you find um, a connection between maybe a lesser known person. Let's use that mm-hmm. as an example. What are some other, um, I kind of want to talk about that, promoting clients that are maybe a little more niche that maybe like you said maybe they're not really appropriate for a good morning america let's say they're maybe they're up and coming maybe no one knows who they are yet but they're maybe they'll blow up one day in the future how what are kind of the differences with pitching someone like that do you think it's harder to promote clients like that um i think the pivoting is a cool strategy um, utilizing your inbound requests obviously your name recognition uh, as pushkin industries are there any other like maybe advantages and then disadvantages that kind of go along on the flip side of that promoting those kinds yeah. of people yeah well here i'll give you i'll give you an example of somebody who i when i started okay so last year um we launched a show called a slight change of plans um and this podcast host, her name is um, Maya Shankar. And when I started working with her, I mean, she's a cognitive scientist, right? Like she's not somebody who is is like a, a celebrity name, um, but her kind of like claim to fame, what made her very notable is that she was um, a, the senior advisor to Barack Obama's behavioral science unit. So she like started a, um, this like um, subdivision of, of the Obama White House that used behavioral science to help in, influence policy. And she like had a New Yorker um, profile written about her. And she was on an episode of Freakonomics. And so I was able to use all of these like cool things about her. I mean, her name, if I said her name, like a producer wouldn't know who she was, but she was this, she had all of these very like clickbaity is not the right word, like notable things about her. And I was able to craft a a pitch, um, use highlighting all of those things. And I I booked her on the today show and she did a segment with Hoda, um, last spring and using that as a springboard i i booked her on Brene brown's podcast i got her on cbs mornings this year um she was on armchair expert with dak shepherd she was on on purpose with jay shetty um i've just you know that that was because of that one booking i was able to then use that and like create now now she has like now now she does have a name right like now 
Yeah. She she is the host of of this show and has all of these credentials to her. Also, the, a slight change of plans was Apple's best show of the year last year. I saw um, that. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. She's she's been great to work with. And amazing. She's a fun example of somebody who wasn't famous, but it in in my working with her has become more high high profile, um, which has been really fun. And that's so rewarding too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It, it has been really rewarding. But but the the actionable takeaway from that is that I, I didn't lean on her name in those cases. I, I leaned on her um, her accomplishments. Her yeah. accomplishments, exactly. Um, I love that. In that case, I think that my pitch to um, to the Today Show producer it had like former Obama White House advisor launches podcast or something like that, where I I, I used her her main, um, you know, kind of accomplishment there. You sound like to me, and I know a lot of publicists think this way, but I think especially for your line of work, the subject line is especially important. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like the way that you are defining something. Yeah. It it says a lot. It says a lot. I think um, we do a lot. Britt and I both in the line of work that we do is um, a lot of it is like more like data study type things, content marketing. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. oftentimes we lead with like maybe a data point. Um, Sometimes Mm -hmm. they pitch experts, but um, yeah, it it is interesting when like in your line of work specifically, it's like you might not have that tie in of like some crazy stat. What you need to do is like make the case for the person, whether it be like you said, if they know the name, that's a no brainer. But if they don't know the name, what is it? What, what, what hooks them in yeah you know you know you know what's funny is that I so I I, in addition to Malcolm I work really closely with with Lori Santos who's the host of the happiness lab and she is also a Yale professor and and Mm -hmm. one of her things that she studies is like time affluence and burnout and so she does this thing which I think is really cool where she has this like very lengthy bounce back um out of office that everybody the first time they email her get um, and it's like this long thing that explains like that she would love to respond to everybody individually, but she's protecting her her time and managing her bandwidth. And then it gives you like all of these directions and, and what you should do if you want certain things. And so I, I'm in her, I'm, I'm in that note as like, if you have a question about my podcast, about the happiness lab, you email Nicole. And so I get pitches from other publicists for her show, nice. which yeah. is really interesting to me as a, a publicist myself, who is, who yeah. is crafting pitches to see like what I respond to and what my eyes, what I'm interested in yep. and what my eyes glaze over about. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, it's really useful. <laughs> that is. Yeah. And that's also one of the things that came up when we were talking to Neil is how he found your contact information. Mm-hmm. And I believe he said he found it on the website and it kind of mm-hmm. led us into this this short discussion around how important it is right. to have that yeah, info on your website at all. Like who's the best PR or publicist contact to reach out to because so many, especially smaller companies, just forget to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the email um, autoresponder as uh, another way to communicate that. That's yeah. really, really it's, smart. It's really, it, it is really smart. I, I actually send this particular, I, I save a version of it and, and show it to people because I think it's a great example of somebody who does just get a lot of incoming requests. Um, and 
you just don't have time to respond to everybody individually. So it's a great time saver. Um, I would say though, that the best subject lines are the ones that are simplest. Yeah. A very simple subject line when I know, when I know exactly what it is that they want. And direct. Yeah. Simple and direct, right? Direct. Yeah. Right. It sounds like that's what you do with your subject lines. That's your approach. Yeah. It, and, and maybe, maybe this is like a self-fulfilling prophecy where that I, I respond best to that. So that's what I think other people want to. And maybe that's not right, but no, I, but. it sounds right to me. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense, especially when you're reaching out to high profile people as well. You know, like people that mm-hmm. run shows that are probably get pitched more than average, you know, yeah. you kind of, yeah. that's how you stick out. I'll, I'll also say that, and listen, I, I'm a publicist. I, I blast things sometimes too, but I, yeah. I will I've been say that, to do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, we need to, it's, it's, yep. you just don't have the, the time. I mean, to eat, to individually email everybody would just be insane, but um, you're preaching to the I, choir. Yeah. But I will say that as a person <laughs> receiving pitches, like you can, you can tell. Um, yeah. And, and really the reason that you can tell is because sometimes there's not a request anywhere that yep. feel like I'm like what do you want like you just sent me this, this yeah what pitch, are you telling me right now and I'm like what are you tra- what's happening here what do you want from yep. me <laughs> so yep. so I would say that if you do have to blast just like make make the ask like kind clear. of towards the top and clear mm-hmm. um and then maybe the the information of the pitch is templated and everybody gets the same thing which is which is fair um yeah yeah yeah, I know. I don't know why that's so hard for people <laughs> to just be very clear about the ask. I think some people are like, oh, I don't want to be pushy. But it's like, well, no, I mean, that's the nature of what you're doing is you have to ask for what you want or else how are they going to know what you want? You know? Yeah. Right. I have a question around kind of around uh, the uniqueness or related related to the uniqueness of a pitch. When you're working with Malcolm or um, whoever it is that you're representing, and you're drafting these pitches um, to get, you know, that person on a show. Do you give options on topics that that person? I have a two-part question. First, do you give mm-hmm. options on topics that, that person can speak to, kind of like episodes, subject lines, or episode topics? And then, um, if you do, do you repeat those for other podcasts? If that makes sense, when you put your pitches mm-hmm. together. Yeah, I, so what I don't do, but I know people do it and I don't think it's a bad thing, but I don't bullet out talking points. Okay. Um, I, it's been my experience that, and, and actually I, I sort of have, I ask the producers who I work with, like producers sort of have their own agendas and, and can make their own assessments of like what story it is that they want to tell. So I think that what is more useful is just who this person is, what their bio is. I, I always link out to some things that have been written about them or that they've written. Like I, I try to, I try to create a really, um, like a really um, robust like paragraph of all of this person's credentials and all the different you know, accolades that they have or ways in which they have contributed to whatever field or conversation it is that they are in. Um, 
And then I usually do in my ask of like, would you like to have this person on, you know, this on the show that you book for? And then I usually like just in a sentence can say like they can cover and just kind of like list a couple of things. Like, so the one that I'm thinking of right now is when I have been recently pitching Jacob Goldstein, who's this former host of Planet Money. Um, his show right now that I'm trying to have him promote is like an interview show about business and technology where he talks with global entrepreneurs. And that in and of itself is not super interesting to talk about on other shows, like a, to interview somebody about a show that they do about interviews is like not a story. And so what I've suggested, this guy, Jacob is, is a financial journalist and wrote a book called money. And so he's really knowledgeable about cryptocurrency. He's knowledgeable about inflation. He could speak to when, um, when, when the Russia Ukraine conflict was, was really in, in the mid, I think it's still going on, but like, it, you know, it, is, it was really heated a couple of months ago. He, um, I pitched him to speak about the, um, the status, the global status of the dollar and where that, how that fit in with like Russian, with sanctions on Russia. And so like, I, I did sort of include a couple of ideas, but I didn't like bullet out very formal talking ones. Well, that a key to that example that you shared was that it was very timely to a trending topic too that was mm -hmm. happening at the time. Um, I'm assuming that pitch was accepted. I would, that sounded like a perfect <laughs> pitch. Those are all the questions that I had about the nitty grittiness of like, you know, prospecting and what you're looking for yeah. when you're looking for podcasts to pitch your, um, the person here, you're representing. I'll, I'll give one more like little piece yeah. of advice that I, I try to do a lot, which is that like, and I mean, this was very much the case with Neil, who, you know, was the reason that you you knew to, to reach out to me, is that like so so much of, of your work as, as, a, as a PR professional is just about relationships with people. Um, and I, I put a lot of effort into like being friendly and like good to work with um, and, and also kind of like to establish a rapport. Um, so for instance, when you, um, you know, when, when you had reached out and explained that, that Neil had mentioned to me, I like wrote him a thank you note, right? Like I, I made sure that, that he knew that I like, really appreciated him thinking about me. We actually grabbed coffee. We both are in New York. Um, Smart. like, like those are the kinds of like little, um, things that go a long way. Like whenever I book, um, one of my clients on like, you know, on, on a, talk show or on a, um, you know, on a morning show, I'll like always send the producer a thank you note. Um, if, if they're in, sometimes I'll be like, Hey, if you're like in New York or live in Brooklyn, like we should grab coffee one day. Like, it's really about those, those, you know, personal connections. Um, and that is networking, but also genuinely, I do just like making friends with people like that. It, it kind of adds a lot to my, to why I like my job so much. Um, so I, I would also recommend for for all of the all the people listening to this, like that that is really important and, and goes a long way. It must be so nice to live in Brooklyn <laughs> and be able to meet up with people like who I don't know. I feel like a lot of people that I speak with as well are in Brooklyn. I need to move to New York City. That's it. You you do. No, yes. I mean, so much of media lives in Brooklyn. It's in like, New York. Yeah. yeah, it's it's funny. I um so I, I work very specifically, obviously, in, in podcasts, and um there's there's this 
podcast trade that's called um it's called hot pod and it's like a writer at the verge who is specifically covering podcasts and they've been through like three of them in in the in the time and all of them have lived in brooklyn and i've (laughs) every one of them in person (laughs) um so so i i do i mean obviously the world is is now made much smaller in in times of zoom and, and it is also easy to connect with people on the computer if you don't live near them but if you do it's it's a really valuable thing to to just you know it's harder to ignore somebody's pitch when you have met them in real life and they've bought you a latte right the next time I'm in Brooklyn I'm gonna I'm hitting you up Nicole so I will buy you a latte (laughs) there's a whole list of people and you're like number one now (laughs) I bet you know where the good coffee spots are I do I'm actually quite into coffee (laughs) amazing cool I've taken a media trip to New York I've been in, we, at my, one of the previous positions that I had, um, way back in the day, um, student loan hero, we had, um, we did a trip to New York city and we, we did in-person meetings with a bunch of, um, journalists that we knew. And it was quite fun. I remember having a great time. Um, I mean, I can't remember what we talked about. I think we talked about, we kept it pretty professional. Like, you know, what, what stuff you're working on in the future? Like, what's the best way? Kind of like this podcast, actually, just like, you know, ask questions like that, but not in a way that felt forced. Um, but I agree, there's something about meeting people in person, even, it even helps the publicist, I think, too, when you sit down and write the email, um, you just feel more connected to whoever you're going to work with. So I think it goes both ways. It's not just for the journalist to get to know you. I think it's also for you to realize that what you're doing affects other people and yeah. it is it can be impactful right I mean you're yeah. you're helping them out too by giving them a good guest to work with yeah kind of cool no, that's right that's right and if you frame it like hey listen I want to help you do your job better like tell me what's helpful and what's not helpful like I don't want to be you know spamming you a with burden that aren't yeah. helpful yeah I think too even doing this podcast you're like oh man like I don't get as I don't get a lot of responses um people must find me annoying, but oftentimes it's nothing like that. It's like, people are just really busy, Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. you know, and I, it, when they meet in person, like you realize like, Oh, they actually really appreciate the emails you send. Mm-hmm. It's just who the hell has time to respond to every single email you think no one does. And yeah. If you yeah. do kudos, but that's a lot. That's a lot of um, labor, like probably emotional labor that you, know, you gotta like gets tired of that eventually, even yeah. if you don't, you act like you, you know, like, you know what's you know. funny? I, again, but. because of because I get because people pitch me for the happiness lab because of of that email. Um, yeah. At, at first, at first, I did try to respond to every publicist because, like, I, I myself, Great. you know what know it's like, what it's like, <laughs> yeah. and and let me tell you, I I, I can't anymore. Like, you just can't. Yeah. And no, so can't. now, and so now, what I do is I try in my in my own moral code I like I'm like if this pitch is specific I will reply and if this is a blast and it's not a it's not a thing that yeah it's not a thing that um I think actually makes sense to forward along to to Lori and her producers then I then I don't respond unless they follow up and then I try again to respond (laughs) but but it is it is true that you just can't you just can't there's not enough time you can't yeah Yeah. And I do find too, one of the biggest um, kind of like things that I've taken away from this podcast is to feel more empowered to reach out to those folks that I have relationships with and not um, 
not necessarily always come to the table with an idea, but more of like a checking in, like, hey, how's it going? I usually end up following them on Instagram, so Mm -hmm. I might have something personal to say that's, you know, actually genuine because a lot of the folks that I follow on Instagram, we have similar interests. Um, And otherwise, I really don't follow them. (laughs) Um, But you're real. Yeah. So, um, like before this podcast, I'm trying to think of a way to say this. Um, I felt weird kind of just checking in with folks. But then um, more and more people that we've interviewed said that they enjoy that. And um, like if I have a new client that I'm working with, for example, I'll be like, hey, I know you cover this topic. I represent so and so who can speak to X, Y, and Z. Uh, if you ever need a source, we're here for you and like we're very responsive. No, I don't say that last part, but I want to <laughs> sometimes. Um, but and I might not hear from them right away and I don't take it to heart anymore. And most of the time, like even if it's a few months later, they'll come back and be like, hey, I remember that you mentioned this. I have a story I'm working on and this is the perfect opportunity to interview so and so. And that's just something I never did in the past. And um, a huge takeaway and kind of speaks to not feeling bad when someone can't get back to you right away. Yeah. So that's what you said is, is so right that like you can't always measure the work that we do by the immediate results that you get. Like the yeah. work that we do, you should measure it by the, the amount of outreach, right? Um, so this is like what I have been working with with my new hire, you know, with this publicist that, that just joined my team you know, it's all about like showing your work to the people that you are, you know, representing. So, you know, it, is it a success if you, you know, secure some coverage? Like, absolutely. But also you are doing your job just by like pulling thoughtful lists, crafting thoughtful pitches, doing all of that outreach. Like that is actually the measurable PR work. Um, because you, yeah. know, you never know when that is going to come back to benefit that person. Or to haunt that's you, depending on what point. you uh, pitched. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and that's such a difference from when we first got into the industry. I remember uh, being measured by the number of coverage pieces that yeah. I would get and not, yeah, the thoughtful targeting and pitches that I was sending. So mm-hmm. love that journey for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very nice. I know there's, there's, there's a lot of things in PR that you cannot control and what you can control is like the work that you do and the trap, the, you know, the, are you tracking all of the actions that you are taking? You know, that like that's, and, and reporting them back to the, your stakeholders that are either paying you or that you are working with or whatever. Um, you know, th- that I feel like is, is what you can control. We haven't really gotten into your work as a book publicist. Should we quickly transition into that and then um, wrap things up with any additional tips we might have not gone over, even though you've been fantastic at jumping and being like, I have one more tip to share. That's a dream come true. But yeah, it's helpful. how does that sound to you guys? That sounds, that sounds great. Okay, cool. All right. Where should we begin? Um, maybe talking about how... I mean, I've never, we've not interviewed a book publicist yet. So knowing a breakdown of what goes into that kind of a strategy for that sort of PR engagement, it's very different, right? From the work that Jacqueline and I do and the work that you do right now, Nicole. So maybe um, explain yeah. maybe what the biggest difference is would be a good start. 
Yeah. So I would say that, um, so when, when you are a book publicist, you're, you're doing a couple of things. You are, you're pitching media in the same way that like I pitch and, and you pitch and you're trying to book your authors on, on the same, you know, on interview shows, on morning shows, late night shows, you're pitching book reviewers. Um, the thing that is a little bit different is your strategy when it comes to, um, what your goal is. So your goal as a book publicist is that you are trying to create as many book sales as humanly possible, uh, pre-sales and then first week sales, because you are trying to get that book to hit the New York Times bestseller list. Um, and so everything that you are doing in booking is towards that end. So like you are trying to, um, consolidate all of this book press into like two weeks into the week leading up to on sale and then the week of on sale. And then all of those book sales are getting generated into the New York Times's algorithm. And then you're seeing if you've succeeded in having that book hit the list. Um, and so one strategy is with media and another strategy is with book events. And so a big part of my job as a book publicist was that I set up book tours. And so what you're trying to do there is you're working with with, with bookstores and with venues, and you're trying to create um, these, these tours where people are coming to events, seeing a book talk and buying a book. And then those books get, those book sales get reported to the New York times. Um, and again, it's, it's also the end of trying to, to make that, that bestseller list. So did I hear you correctly? You said there's a two week PR, I mean, press period. Um, you, I mean, you're pitching a book for like six months, but you want, you want all of that promotion to be like leading up to your got it on sale date and then okay. to, to be happening that week. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. So like, for instance, you probably, you know, I don't know if like you are watching morning shows or like listening to podcasts, but you'll see like up. Oh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell has a book. He's on all these, he's on all these shows. He's on TV. Right. He's talking about this book. Cause you're, you're really trying to build momentum in that, in that kind of brief amount of time. So how do you wow. pick, um, how do you pick out what bookstores to go to? I'm assuming you maybe don't squeeze them into that two week period. Maybe you do book sh shops after that, but, and I'm misunderstanding, but how do you pick out the stores that you go to in general? Um, well, at a, at a book publisher, you have, um, you have sales reps who are helping you, um, uh, who are helping you work with bookstores and, you know, there's like, um, there are usually a handful of the biggest bookstores that do these book, these like big scale book events in every state. Um, you know, and it's just kind of like, where is the author from? Where do they have a following? Where have they been on their last book tour? Should they maybe go to different places? Um, it's kind of like a big strategic discussion between marketing, publicity, sales, um, and the the author and their agent. It's like a whole, you know, it's a whole whole other world, a whole other industry. I'm blown away. I'm like, this is so outside <laughs> of my world. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting, like working in PR in different industries because. I mean, obviously, like the mechanics of what we all do is very similar. You are messaging, you're writing press releases, you're crafting pitches, you're pulling lists. But then like the the mechanism of the industry and like how you are using those 
skills as a comms specialist to like serve a purpose is different. So like, yeah, when I was in the the books industry, it was that, that was the strategy. Now in the podcast, you know, industry, like we do have show launches, but a show is airing over the course of several months. And so what you're trying to do then is, is put your host in front of different types of niche audiences because you're trying to just bring in new people um, yeah. to, to the show. So it's kind of like when you think about what your goal is, what you're actually trying to do, like what purpose you're trying to serve with your publicity, then that sort of influences what strategy you, you're coming up with. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's why you're able to pivot from book publishing to podcasting, even though technically it's like you're it's like the strategies are different but the 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 idea is the same Mm -hmm. more or less yeah I mean listen I think that like if you were if if you any one of the three of us like got a job like as the comms person at like a finance institution or whatever right like like we would know how to do our jobs but you would have to really like learn about what the goals of the company are with publicity to figure out like what your actual strategy is trying to be yeah, I think that's your strength, though. I don't think every publicist sounds as strategic as you. They should be. And I think we, I think me and Britt do have that level of, um, like, thought behind our work. But you'd be surprised how many, <laughs> how many people kind of just show up thinking that it's just a game of uh, writing an email and then hoping for the best, you know. Um, but I think that's why, at least from my humble uh, opinion. I think that's why you excel at this, to be honest. Um, because everything you've talked about, there's been you've you've talked about strategy multiple times. I mean, even in the way that you work with, like pivoting um, from one to the other, like that's it doesn't. Maybe it just is second nature to you. Like it doesn't. But I mean, someone else could look at that and be like, "That's genius." I wouldn't have thought about that. Um, <laughs> Well, so, I guess maybe maybe I'm very competitive. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I think it's smart, and it and it makes sense. I mean, there there are definitely some parallels. So you talked about. Um, I'm just thinking about comparing it to my work. Um, I've definitely looked at like com- where competitors are online, or like seen where they've been, or even looked at not even direct competitors, but let's say if I am pitching like a data study, I do tend to look at. Well, what are some data studies that have kind of covered like similar topics like that are you know, kind of similar. Okay. I, I'm going to try to reach out to the same outlets because clearly they're interested in that kind of content. And I think, I think again, it's like, that's like the same concept of what you've done when you're looking at what podcasts, like what mm-hmm. podcasts have had similar guests on. So I think you're right. I think that at the end of the day, like we are all basically doing the same thing. It's just, we pivot based off, we or our strategy is based off around what we're trying to accomplish with our publicity. And that's, I think where we can kind of learn from one another too but um yeah it's cool I I like seeing that like what you do even though it sounds very different it sounds like your skills are very much my skills it's just adapting to the environment sweet not to cut this short but I do think we should wrap it up soon you gave that one tip which I think is brilliant and it's just like so simple but it means everything it's putting effort into being friendly being good to work with establishing rapport good rapport with people. Do you have any other final tips, advice? You could 
you could honestly monologue because um, we're going to learn a lot from you. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts? Like, what did you not get to say that you think would be helpful if there are any last thoughts? Yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of what else I didn't, I didn't say. I mean, I, <laughs> talked, about, I talked about this a, a, a bit, but I mean, truly, th- thank you notes are really important, right? Like just putting in that it. extra effort of after you've worked with somebody, just being like, hey, I, I listened to this or I read this piece and I thought it was great and I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah. So so that's for sure something. Um for I'll just give another specific example that kind of like is another another evidence of this is that um, I was working with this producer at the local NPR in Utah K U E R. Um, he, he works on this show Radio West, which is a interview show. So I, I try to book my hosts on there, and you know we were just kind of going back and forth about this potential idea, and then separately he emailed me and he was like, Hey, I actually really loved that audiobook that you guys did it was really highly produced and I was curious if you know you you might be able to talk with me a little bit more about like that kind of producing and so mm-hmm. I connected him with with one of our producers who worked on that as like a little informational interview um and so and he really appreciated that right so it's just like doing it's like going that extra mile to like be helpful all the time be good to work with be responsive um like all of those things really do go a long way um, and, and are easy enough to do. I mean, sure, if you like live in Brooklyn and all of the producers that you work with live in Brooklyn, you can also like get drinks or get coffee, but that's yeah. not necessary, right? Like what's what's easy for everybody to do, what's accessible to everybody is just being really thoughtful and helpful and, you know, just kind of taking that extra step. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes, even though we are all very busy, but it really does come back and benefit you. Um, did we talk about prepping um, your experts for media engagement? Oh, or media anything training. Like that? Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, oh, let's actually, uh, let's talk about that really quick. Before, yeah. If, unless you, oh, are you good with to. that? Okay, I let's love, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Media training is actually one of my favorite parts of my job because, um, I find it, I love coaching people like that. I, I used to be a volleyball coach. It's like really, I, I love thinking about like, how how can I get this person to to do what it is that I need them to do in a way that like is really supportive and, and encouraging, but also yeah. like, you know, offering feedback when when they need to hear it. Um, so yeah, a big part of, of my job with some of my clients that I work with is media coaching. Um, which is just like the art of giving an interview. Um, because if you were to give an interview and put no thought behind it, it might not be serving the purpose that you want it to do. Um, my purpose as the PR director at Pushkin is that I want my show hosts to sell their podcast, to make it really enticing for the listenership of whatever outlet they are on, um, I I want them to convince people to listen to the show. So how do you do that? You, you kind of come up with, um, with talking points for them. So what's this, why did you decide to start this show? What's your favorite part about doing the show? Like what anecdotes from the show are really interesting? Um, you know, so you kind of like talk with them about that and you come up with, um, maybe like a handful of things that you know that you want them to say. 
And it's their job to figure out how to incorporate those talking points in an interview, even if the interviewer does not prompt them to do so. So at that point, you kind of give them tactics about how to pivot to those to those answers. Um, like one of the things that people don't realize that I, I work to coach them with is that you don't have to answer every question perfectly the way that it is asked. Like mm. you, you are like you are in control of giving your own interview. So if you want to say an anecdote, you, you, you say it. it, you don't need them to like necessarily like handhold you into it. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I, you know, that's something that is not, you, people that have been media coached before understand that, understand about the art of giving an interview, that it's like the goal isn't to answer the questions. The goal is actually to like say what your talking points are and, and hit those points. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and that's something that, that I, I do with some of the hosts and I, you don't need to do that with Malcolm Gladwell, but like, you know, some, some hosts you, 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 I work a little bit closer with in that capacity. The other thing is that, you know, different types of interviews require different sorts of prep. So for instance, if you are doing like a long form interview, like armchair expert that like is going to go on for an hour, you actually don't need to work that closely with them because just in the nature of the interview, they're yeah, going to they have know. so much time to, mm -hmm. to be able to express those things. But what, you know, when I booked Maya Shankar on CBS mornings, I knew that she was going to have about a three minute segment and it's really difficult between in three to four minutes to hit on all of the things that are really important to hit on. Um, yeah. and so we practiced, you know, we, we, we practiced giving answers and I, I helped her figure out how, where to shorten things, where to, what she could cut out how, you know, how to make the questions that they were going to ask her work for her. Um, and, and she did it, she did a good job, but, but, you know, afterwards she came back and she was like, that was so fast. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's yep. an art, it's an art form giving different types of interviews. Um, it, it really is very difficult to, to give a very selling interview in, in a morning show that you have, you have about three to three to four minutes. Um, so yeah, that's another really interesting part of my job that I like. That's really cool. Again, you sound very strategic, but um, <laughs> it's cool. You, I've done media. Just really training. calculating. Just <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good though. I, gosh, I kind of want you back on just to talk about that in the future if you'd ever be interested because I think we could. Sure, this is fun. Do my letter. Cool. I, I, yeah. I never, I never get to to answer questions. Usually, I'm the one that's that's asking them. <laughs> well. Thank you guys so much. It was great chatting with you. Yes, yeah, likewise. Really cool.